Galatians tonight, chapter number 3, and uh, begin reading in verse number 6. And before I read this, I want to I read you something that I saw in Mr. Spurgeon's book the other day. Charles Haddon Spurgeon made the statement. He said, never lose heart in the power of the gospel. Now, are you listening? Never lose heart in the power of the gospel. Mr. Spurgeon said, I do not believe that there exists any man, much less any race of men, for whom the gospel is not fitted. And I like that statement. He went on to say, let this be to you the mark of true gospel preaching, where Christ is everything and the creature is nothing, where it is salvation, all of grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit, applying to the soul the precious blood of Jesus. That's the kind of preaching we need in these days, that um, it's all of grace, all of the grace of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 6, the Bible said here, Paul writing to the church of Galatia, he said, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, now he had to be talking about the Old Testament scripture right there. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. I want to use that phrase out of verse number 8 when Paul said here in the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preach before the gospel unto Abraham. Now I want to preach tonight on the gospel that was preached unto Abraham. Now you must understand and let me take a little time to lay a platform before I try to launch out. Abraham died 2,500 years before the birth of Christ. But he had the gospel preached unto him. And I believe he had every bit of it. Paul wasn't mincing words here when he said this. And the Holy Ghost said that Abraham had the gospel preached unto him. And I believe if he did, then he had to see a picture of the virgin birth. He had to see a picture of the vicarious death and the victorious resurrection and the visible ascension and even the vital return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Abraham saw every bit of that 2,500 years before Christ was ever born. And I want us to see that tonight and enlarge upon that with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now you'll find that in your Bible the word gospel is mentioned 101 times in the New Testament. And it's the good news that this lost world still needs to hear. And that we need to still proclaim. You say, preacher, that's an old, old story. Well, I don't believe the saints of God ever get tired of hearing about the death and the burial and the resurrection of our blessed Lord and Savior. And tonight, I want us to look and think about the gospel that was preached to Abraham. Take your Bible and back up with me for just a minute. Come with me to the gospel of John, chapter number 5. In the gospel of John, chapter number 5, I want you to see a statement here that our Lord makes. In John chapter 5 and verse 45, Jesus said here, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. He said here in verse 46, For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he, that's talking about Moses, and he's the one who pinned down the first five books of the Bible, for he, Jesus said, wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? You see, Jesus told that crowd. He told them that day. He said, why, Abraham, your father, he said, even, even Moses here. He said, Moses is accusing you. He said, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he, Moses, wrote about me. So that tells us that all through the Pentateuch, all through those first five books of the Bible, that there's descriptions and there's types and, and there's spiritual allegories of the Lord Jesus Christ in that Old Testament. And no wonder some of these liberal theologians hate the first five books of the Bible, friend, because they're all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you'll come with me just a little further, if you look in John chapter number 8, just come three chapters over, 
John chapter 8, verse number 56. Jesus said here, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Now you're talking about blowing their minds. Jesus said, Abraham, your father, he rejoiced to see my day. And not only did Paul say Abraham had the gospel preached unto him, but Jesus Christ said, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him in verse number 57, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and thou hast seen Abraham. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham ever got a start in the earth of the Chaldees, Jesus has always been. And the Bible said they picked up stones to stone him. But what the Lord is emphasizing, he said here in verse 56 and 57, that your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So tonight I want you to take your Bibles and come with me to the book of Genesis, and we'll stay there with the help of the Lord to the gospel. If our Lord was not born of a virgin who had never known a man, then we're without hope, friend. But Jesus Christ was born of the virgin Mary. He was the virgin born son of Almighty God. Now when you get to looking at this thing about Isaac's birth, you'll find three things. Number one, it was prophesied beforehand. Isaac's birth was prophesied that Four different times before he ever was born. In Genesis 15.4, Genesis 17.7, Genesis 17.15, and Genesis 18 and verse number 10. Over a period of 25 years, God prophesied that Isaac would come and be born to Abraham and Sarah. You see, his birth was prophesied beforehand. And so was the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, even as far back as Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 21, when God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. And there was the prophetic utterance that God made, that one day from the woman would come a seed, the man-child, that would bruise the head of the serpent, friend. And I tell you, all throughout that Old Testament, that there was prophecy after prophecy about the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, in Genesis 17:21, where you're looking at tonight, I pray, not only was Isaac's birth prophesied beforehand, but it was promised on time. Do you notice what the Bible said in verse 21, chapter 17? God said, but my covenant will I establish with, with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at, at this set time in the next year. Right? I mean, God told Abraham, he said, I'm giving you the date. He said, at this set time at, in the next year, right, Sarah is going to have a baby boy. Right? And his birth was promised on time. Right? You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm saying our Lord's birth. Our Lord's birth was promised on time. You remember in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Christ came right on time. Our Lord wasn't born a day early nor an hour early. He was born right on time. And I've got news for all of us. He'll not be back a day late, nor an hour late, nor a minute late. But He'll be back right on time. Isaac's birth was prophesied beforehand promised on time. But there's a third truth here. There's a physical impossibility. Now you've got to understand, Abraham's a hundred years old, and Sarah is ninety. And whoever heard of a hundred-year-old man and a ninety-year-old woman giving birth to a child? But the Bible said in Genesis chapter 18, come with me just another chapter, Genesis chapter 18 verse 11, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken. There's the emphasis. Old 
and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. That simply means that Sarah could not receive the seed and, and to give birth to a child. She could not give conception to a child. And she's old now. It's a physical impossibility. And Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 4, he added a footnote to this and said, And Abraham being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah's womb was barren and Abraham was impotent. He was dead, friend. But you know what God did? God supernaturally touched Abraham and touched Sarah. I believe one morning Abraham woke up and he said, My, my, Sarah, you're looking younger by the day. And she said, honey, have you looked in the mirror? You're looking pretty spry yourself. And God gave Abraham and Sarah conception when it was a physical impossibility. I tell you, that's a picture of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Mary never knew a man. You know that, friend. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her and planted in her virgin womb. Uh, the seed of Almighty God, uh, uh, the virgin-born Son uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, my Mary said to the angel, how can this thing be, seeing that I know not a man? Uh, and he said, the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Uh, and with God, uh, nothing is impossible. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, when, oh, listen, Isaac was born, uh, Abraham stands back uh, and he sees a picture uh, of the virgin birth. He has the first point of the gospel preached under him. He sees the gospel that concerned the virgin birth. Now, if he sees the gospel, if he had it all preached unto him, then he had to see a type of the vicarious death or the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And most of you preachers are nodding your heads. You know where I'm going. At Genesis chapter number 22. In Genesis chapter 22... This is the chapter where Abraham sees a type of the Lord's vicarious death, that sacrificial offering. And it's there now after several years. The Bible said in verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And you know the story here. God said, Abraham, take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And I want you to take him to the land of Moriah. Offer him upon one of the mountains that I'll show you of. And God is letting Abraham see here a picture of the sacrificial offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's some things you can notice in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 22. There's God's plan. It's God's plan. Take your son, Abraham. Take that dear one. Take Isaac, that one that you love the most, and offer him for an offering. Was that not what God Almighty did 2,500 plus years later when God gave His only darling baby boy to hang and bleed and die at Calvary, friend? Not only the plan, but you see the place. God said, Abraham, take him to the land of Moriah. Now you say, what's so special about that? In Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1, that then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. I'll tell you what I personally believe. That I believe the very place that Abraham took Isaac to offer him is the very place where God Almighty offered His Son 2,500 years later. That not only you see the plan and the place, but then there's the picture. In verse number 3, you have the ass. There's a donkey that comes into the picture. Now they have two men. There's Abraham and Isaac, and there's two young men and the donkey. That ass, that ass has the wood on its back. And you have to study and you'll find out that the donkey is a type of a sinner. If you'll read, you'll find in Exodus 13, 13, 
that under the Mosaic law, every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. Every time a little donkey was born, there had to be a lamb that died and the shedding of blood for that little donkey's sake. If not, they were to break that donkey's neck and cast it in the fire of Gehenna that burned perpetually. Do you not see that little donkey's laden down with that wood now, friend? And Abraham puts the wood on the donkey's back. That's a picture when we were lost and in our sins. And our sins seemingly were upon ourselves. I see that little donkey. He can't go where he wants to. He can't do what he wants to do. He's under that heavy burden. But then in verse number 4, the Bible teaches us that it was a three days journey to Mount Moriah. The Bible said in verse number 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Do you see how long it took him to get there? Three days and three nights. That's a picture of how long our Lord was in the heart of the earth. Three days and three nights. You say, but wait a minute, preacher Seton, that Abraham hasn't offered up Isaac yet. In Abraham's mind, that when God said, take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, it was as good as already done, friend. In the mind of Abraham, Isaac was as good as dead. And it took him three days to get there. Then in verse number six, the Bible said Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid uh, and laid it upon Isaac his son. Now they take the wood off the back of that little old donkey, uh, and Abraham puts the wood uh, on the back of Isaac. Uh, you know what that's a picture of? You can see that. Uh, that's a picture of our sins uh, being put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, he was bruised for our iniquities, friend. Uh, he that knew no sin was made sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I believe when they took the wood off that little donkey's back and put it on the back of Isaac, I believe that little donkey got to kicking up his legs and saying, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I'm glad my sins have been dealt with through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse number 6, Bible said, and Abraham took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. To me, the fire speaks of the holiness of God, and the knife speaks of the judgment of God. In verse number 7, now they're going up the mountain now. They're going up Mount Moriah. Going up that mountain, you'll find that Isaac, he said, Dad, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, Son, my son... God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, if you're not careful, you'll read that too fast. I mean, Abraham knows what God has said. He knows and he's believing. He's going to take Isaac up there and sacrifice him. But when Isaac said, here's the fire and here's the wood, but where's the lamb? Abraham picked up that telescope of faith and he looked out 2,500 years and he said, God will provide himself a lamb. And that's what God did, friend, in the person of the Lord Jesus. For Jesus was a God in the flesh. Amen. Now they're up there on that mountain. They get up there and I see now Abraham seeing a picture of that sacrificial offering. I see him get up there and finally when they get up there on the mountain, on the top of it, I see Abraham tell Isaac, he said, son, God told me to bring you and I'm to offer you. Isaac was younger than Abraham. He could have rebelled. He could have overpowered his dad. But Isaac being a type of the Lord Jesus, willingly and of his own volition, allowed his dad to lay him on that altar. They built the rocks. They put the wood in order. And Abraham stretched out Isaac on that altar, had him bound with cords. And Abraham took that knife. He had the fire in one hand and he had the knife in the other he's getting ready to slice his throat uh, then he would fillet him and dissect him uh, and put him in the right order like the Levitical order uh, upon that altar 
Now, you know what happens now? There needs to be a picture of the resurrection. Now, Isaac's been dead in the mind of Abraham three days and three nights. We need to see somebody get up right here. And you know what the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. You say, preacher, I've read this book. He never did offer him up. It was by faith. It was by faith that Abraham offered up Isaac. He offered up his only begotten son. You say, preacher, but he never did do it. Yes, he did in his mind. In his mind. Isaac was as good as dead. I see now Abraham with that knife pulled back. And you know what Romans said? Paul said, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Abraham believed God was able to resurrect Isaac if he killed him. And he got ready to bring back. I see that knife glistening in the sunlight. And Abraham's hands quivering. Sweats on his brow. Tears running down his eyes. That's his son. His darling son. And about the time that hand gets ready to come down... That Bible said in Genesis 22, 9, that the Scripture said in verse number 12, that, and He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, that neither do thou anything unto him. That, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, that thine only son Isaac from me. That, the angel of the Lord showed up, friend. That, and you know who I believe that is? That, I believe that's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That, a theophanies, that, a pre Bethlehem appearance of the Son of God in that Old Testament. He said, Abraham, stop it now. Don't you go no further. Now we know that thou fearest God. And you know what Abraham did? He took that knife that he was getting ready to slay his son with and he cut the cords loose. Cut Isaac loose. What do you think they did? I see Isaac jump up and grab his dad. They hugged and shouted and they praised God Almighty. And about that time Abraham heard something rustling over there in the bushes and he looks and there's a ram that's caught in a thicket by its horns and Abraham brings that ram and they slay that ram and they lay it upon the altar and they take the fire and put it to it and I mean the fire begins to lick up that offering and the smoke goes up into the nostrils of God and what Abraham is seeing is a picture of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Amen, friend. And finally, what they do, I see them get ready to come down off that mountain. They're getting ready to come down off that mountain. And I believe the devil was hanging around somewhere on Mount Moriah. I believe the devil was hanging around. He had heard his demons had reported in and said, Papa Devil, you better come and see what's going on. And he was hanging around. He had heard that through Isaac the promised seed was going to come. The devil wasn't stupid, friend. You know what? He goes over there. And after Abraham and Isaac come down off that mountain, I believe the devil got over there in those ashes. I believe he kicked up ashes and stirred up ashes. And he said, I thought I almost had him. I thought God had messed up and was going to kill the promised son. I thought the seed would never come. And all the devil could do was just stir up some ashes. Did you know that's all he can do with our sins? He'll come to us and he'll try to stir up the ashes of remembrance in our mind. But I our sins were judged in the Lamb of God at Calvary. Our sins are gone, friend. They're gone. And all the devil can do is just stir up some ashes of remembrance. You ask me why I'm happy, I'll tell you why. My sins are gone. They're gone. 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 You say, preacher, what is this Abraham seeing? It's a picture of the resurrection. On bloody Calvary, Jesus hung there from nine o'clock that Wednesday morning, from nine o'clock to three o'clock that afternoon. He cried six sayings from that cross. He finally pulled up, pulled up, and his body's quivering, and he breathes air in his lungs, and he said in John 19.30, it is finished. And then he pulled back up again, and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. But he wasn't there. 
he had left there. That body quivered. The central nervous system began to take over. And his body jerked and quivered. But he wasn't there. You say, where did he go? The Bible said, he that first ascended also descended into the lower parts of the earth. You know where he went? He went into paradise. He checked into paradise, friend. Now, in my mind's eye, I see hotel death. I mean, hotel death, paradise, where all those Old Testament saints that were saved and was looking forward to the Lamb coming, checked in. I see that, and I see the Grim Reaper. Can you imagine now? The Grim Reaper draped in black, and he's standing there, and he's got his register, and he has his pen there, and Jesus comes walking in, and all of a sudden, you know, the Grim Reaper gets a little nervous. And he said, sir, you bothered us. You raised Jairus's, you raised Jairus's daughter from the grave. And you raised the widow of Nain's son. And you got Lazarus back up, but we're going to get him again. And go ahead and just sign in, if you will, sir. And you know what? I believe Jesus signed in. If he did sign in, I believe he signed in three letters that made two words. He signed, I am. And I believe the grim reaper went to shaking. He said, I've seen names like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what is this name I am? And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that liveth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. And I believe the Lord Jesus stretched up and pulled off a death's girdle of the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he checked in the paradise. Checked in, friend. I see them old patriotic saints been down there for thousands of years. Abel was the first one to go into paradise. Others begin to come in. And every time somebody come in, they'd say, are you the one we're looking for? Are you him? Are you him? One day I see Isaiah check in. They said, Isaiah, are you him? He said, no. But he said, I've had a vision that, that he'll be born of a virgin and they'll call his name Emmanuel. I see different ones check in. One day there's an older man checks in. His name is Simeon. They said, Simi, they said, sir, are you him? Are you the one we've been looking for? And Simeon's a shouting to the top of his lungs. He said, no, but I've held him in my arms. I've seen the consolation of Israel. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And one day there's a man come in. There's one come in that many mistook for the Lord Jesus. There's one come in. I can see his hair blowing in the breeze. I see his, his skin tanned. A leather girdle and locust and wild honey in one hand. And he come walking in. They said, are you him? And he spit some of that locust juice out. And he said, no. But he said, I'm the forerunner. And he said, I just baptized him in the river Jordan. And he's healing the sick and raising the dead. And opening blinded eyes. He's performing the ministry of God. On that day, Jesus hung and bled and died. Before Jesus died, that old thief that, that was on the right side, I believe, of Calvary, that old thief said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus stopped dying long enough and he pulled up and said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And I can, I kind of believe that old boy died before the Lord did. I believe that old boy died before the Lord did, maybe. And he comes running into paradise. He's a shouting and a hooping and a hollering. They can't even get him slowed down. They said, are you him? Are you him? Are you him? He said, no, I ain't him. But said, that's him right there behind me. Said, he's a coming right behind me. Thank God, Jesus checked in. Stayed 72 hours. And on the third appointed morning, he checked out, friend. He checked in and he checked out. And he led captivity captive. Brought him out. No Abraham now. She comes down off that mountain. He sees a picture of the resurrection. But not only that, you know what? The Bible is so minute, so, so put together by the Holy Ghost. When Abraham was coming down off that mountain. God said, Moses, don't you say anything. Don't you say anything about Isaac coming down. We know Isaac came down, but God said, don't say a thing about it. Look at chapter 22, verse 19. So Abraham returned unto his young men. No mention of Isaac. And they rose up and went to Beersheba. 
And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. You know what that's a picture of? The silent ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Isaac comes down, but you don't find Isaac no more in the first person until he comes out in the field at evening tide to greet Rebekah, his bride. Boy, Abraham's seeing a whole lot right here. He sees a picture of the silent ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you notice something else in Genesis chapter 23, verse number 2. In Genesis 23, 2, the Bible said three words, and Sarah died. And Sarah died. And you say, what's so significant about that? Sarah was the mother of Isaac. And Sarah was the bride of Abraham. And Sarah died and they buried her. They put her away, friend. You say, preacher, I don't see the significance. I believe Abraham saw in typology the setting aside of the nation of Israel. You see, Israel, Jesus came through that genealogy. He came through, uh, he came to his own, his own received him not. He came as a Jew, friend. And the mother of the Lord Jesus, if you will, the nation of Israel was put aside. Temporarily, she's in blindness. The, the nation of Israel's in darkness and blindness. And she's been put away. And I tell you, that happened before Isaac got his bride too, friend. There's no coincidences. There's no accidents in this Bible. That Sarah died. And then Abraham began to seek a bride for his son. That brings us to chapter number 24. Chapter 24. Abraham sees the silent ascension of the Lord. The setting aside of Israel. And he sees the selecting of a bride. He sees the picture, if you will, of the, of the grace age, the gospel age. He sees a picture of it right here. Now in chapter 24, Abraham's old. He's old now. And he calls his eldest servant in. And I believe you can find that servant to be El Leisure. In Genesis 15 to El Leisure. And his name means God of help. God of help. And El Leisure's a type to me, a picture of the Holy Ghost. Abraham calls him in. El Leisure puts his hand up under Abraham's thigh. Abraham said, take an oath. He said, I don't want you to get my boy a daughter of these Canaanites here. I want you to go back to Mesopotamia. Go back to where we came from and get my boy a bride. And that servant said, well, what if she's not willing to come? Shall I take Isaac back down there? And he said, no, no. But he said, the Lord, the angel of the Lord will go before you. Things will be all right. And you know what the Bible said in verse number 10? And the servant took ten camels, chapter 24, and the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hands. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia under the city of Nahor. Now here's what you'll find here. There's the person that sent. He's a type of the Holy Ghost. The program, Abraham and Isaac remain in the homeland and the servant goes to where they have been. Then you see, you'll find the personal appeal. What happens here, you'll find that uh, Eliezer gets down there and he gets in Mesopotamia and he comes to a well there by the city of Nahor. And he comes there by that well. And, and still water in the Bible is a type of the Word of God, friend. And he comes to that well and he has a prayer meeting. And he said, God of Abraham and God of Isaac, would you let the first damsel that comes out, and she's willing to give me a drink, and she'll draw water for my camels, let her be the one that thou hast chosen for my master's son. Let her be the bride for Isaac. Before he had time to say, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, he heard somebody coming. And he looked up, and here comes a young girl by the name of Rebecca. She's a virtuous girl. She's a virgin and she comes down through there and she goes and gets her water pot and draws water. Eliezer goes over to her and said, would you give me to drink, ma'am? Why, she said, I sure will, sir. Right here, she began to pour him out water and then she looked at him and said, sir, I'll not only give you water, but I'll go draw water for all your ten camels. And you know what the Bible said in verse number 21? And the man wondering at her held his peace. You know what Eliezer was about to do? He was about to have a shouting spell and a Holy Ghost breakdown. He had to hold his peace. And this is the one that God had chose for us. And you know what he did? The personal appeal. 
Bible said he began to, in chapter 24, verse 22, after she drew water for the camels and they drank, that the man, that is Elijah, took a golden earring of half a shackle weight and two bracelets for a hand of ten shackles weight of gold. He opened up one of those saddlebags on one of those camels and he pulled out that bracelet and he pulled out that earring and he said, uh, this is personal appeal, you see. And that's what the Holy Ghost did for every one of us. He personally appealed to us for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember when he brought you under conviction? Do you remember when he told you about the love of God and how God loved you and gave his only begotten son that he was personally appealing unto you? And then not only do you see that, there's the proposal in verse 58. I mean, she goes, she takes him over to her dad's house, and they talk, and Eliezer tells the story all over again. And he never brags about himself. He always brags about Isaac, brags about Abraham. And then he said, they said, well, let's call the damsel in verse 58. And they called Rebecca. I'm glad I received a call one day. I'm glad I received a call one day. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? I believe she looked at those bracelets. I believe she looked at that earring. I believe she listened to that description about Isaac. And it was love in her heart. And she said, I will go. Do you see the proposal? Do you remember when the Holy Ghost proposed to you and said, Will you come? Will you go? Will you accept the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you have Him as your Lord and Savior? Do you remember when you said, I'll go? And down the aisle, and down the sawdust trail, in a foxhole, down behind the barn, at Mama's house on the job, you said, I'll go for it. I'll go. That proposal involved three things. A man she'd never met. She'd never met El Leisure. And it involved a moving to a country she'd never been to. And it involved a marriage to a man she'd never seen. Hey, El Leisure didn't have a phone. He didn't have a picture album to show Rebecca what Isaac looked like. But when you and I got saved, it involved the same thing. We'd never seen the, I've never seen the Holy Ghost. But I sure have felt His presence. And I remember when He called me and dealt with me as a sinner. And I remember when I said, I'll go and I'm going to go to be married to a man. Hey, I've only been married one time. I've got one wife, only one wife. And she was the bride and I was the groom. But the next time I get married, I tell you, you what, friend? I'll be the bride and he'll be the groom. Amen. She said, I'll go. Then there's the pilgrimage in verse 61. And Rebecca rose. And not only that, the Bible said, and her damsels. I didn't see that till here a while back. When Rebecca said, I'll go, there's some others said, I'll go with you. There's some others said, I'll go with you. Not everybody's wanting to go with us. Not everybody's got saved that we preach to preachers. But thank God every now and then there'll be an old sinner raise his hand. An old sinful woman, sinful man, boy or girl. And say, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Boy, I tell you, the damsel said, we'll go too. And notice what they rode upon. They rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Now, the pilgrimage, it was 500 miles from Mesopotamia back up to Canaan. That's a long time to travel, friend. They didn't travel at night. It was too dangerous. They'd only go so many miles per day and have to stop and camp out and then go another day and another. This may have taken weeks, maybe even months to have made this journey. And you know what they're riding on? Not donkeys, not horses, but they're riding on camels. And you know, you've heard it preached, Brother Ralph Sexton Sr., Brother C.L. Roach, these men wet my appetite years ago, and I got to look at that old camel myself. That camel is a type of the grace of God. You say, wait a minute, that camel's ugly. That, that camel's fat and got humps on his back and, and he's ugly. Oh, you've got to see him, to really see him through the eyes of faith, and then you'll know him to be like the grace of God. You know what I believe? I see O.L. Leisure. He knows how to handle those camels. And he got out there and he got his little rod and he kind of touched that camel's knees and that old camel began to kneel down and he hunkered down. And I tell you what I believe. I believe Rebecca, I believe it's a two-hump camel too. 
I don't believe it's a one hump. I believe it was a two hump. And it ain't the kind that'll put humps on your back, but it's the kind that you can ride for, and it'll not ride you later on. I see her throw her foot over there, and she gets down between those two humps. She's in her little saddle, and uh, he says, "How do you feel, Rebecca? How do you feel?" And she said, "I feel secure. I can't go forward, and I can't go backwards." Amen. That's the grace of God, friend. I'm glad. That's the security. I'm secure in the grace of God tonight, friend. I'm not holding out. I'm not trying to remain faithful and endure to the end. But I've been sealed under the day of redemption. The security of grace. That old camel, he's got special feet. He's the only animal like this out there in the desert. Horses sometimes will fall in the desert. Donkeys, their feet will hit in the sand and they'll fall. But the camel, if you raise his hoof up and look at it, it has an indention all the way around it. There's a little indention. And what he does, he traps air. He traps air when he walks. And what he does, he literally walks on top of the sand. You know what that's a picture of? That's the sureness of grace. I'm glad God's amazing grace can let us walk through this world. We don't have to mire up. We don't have to, we don't have to mess up. I mean, God's grace is sufficient to get us from here to there, friend. The sureness of grace. Then that old camel, he's got special eyes. Big old round, droopy looking eyes. And when the rider's out there riding and they get into a sandstorm and the sand is flying like little BBs and pellets, that rider will take that tunic and wrap himself up and he'll let the reins go on that camel. And that camel, I've read this, that camel, God made him. He's got transparent eyelids. He just drops them down. And he can see right through the storm. I mean, he just walks right through the storm. He don't have to stop. I mean, he knows the way. And the rider can't see where he's going. He don't know which way's up, which way's down. But that old camel can see. That's the sight of grace. Grace can see through the storms, friend. A grace can see to get us to the other side. That old camel, he's got a special, special uh, stomach about him. That old stomach's so big. You know why it's so big? It's got 30 different pouches in it. He's got 30 separate stomachs in his belly. And the reason it takes him so long to drink, he drinks and it spills up one, spills over in the other, spills over till it fills up all 30. And they tell me, now this is a scientific fact, there's not a full-grown camel with a full belly of water that can't cross any desert from one end to the other that's on the top side of God's green earth. I mean, he can make it. He can make it from one end of that desert all the way to the other. You say, what are you talking about? That, that speaks of the strength of grace, friend. Through many dangers, toils, and snares we have already come. It is grace that's brought us safe thus far. And grace is going to take us home. Some of you been saved 35, 45, 55, 65, maybe 70 years. But grace has kept you thus far. And grace is going to land you on the other side. The strength of grace. And then that old camel's got a big old, big old nose. His head goes out like that. Big old flared nostrils. I, several years ago, I went to the zoo. I wanted to see the eagles and I wanted to see the camels. And I was down there at that camel lot. And there's a woman there. She had her glasses on a stick and she was holding them like this. Had a fox fur around her neck and it's kind of cool. And she was an aristocratic lady and she said, hmm, so that's an ugly looking animal. I turned and looked at her and I said, ma'am, if you knew that camel like I knew him, I had tears running down my face. Dear God, they would have thought I was chemically imbalanced weeping over a camel. You hear me? I mean, I was looking and that old camel's got them, that big old nose, those nostrils that are flared. And when you get out there and you're riding and you can't find water, you can't find water nowhere. They say if you'll turn the reins loose on that camel, that old camel will raise that big old head, stick it up in the air, he'll go. Here he'll go. He'll take up. He can find water 50 miles in any God-given direction. If there's water within 50 miles, he can find it. You say, what's that a picture of? The scent of grace. I'm glad grace knows how to get us to the water and hose. God knows when you're in a wilderness and when you're in a dry place. God knows where to find you some springs and some wells. 
and our God can. Dr. Seidler preached that message one time and he said God can provide a table in the middle of the wilderness. Our God can find those wells and those springs and get you out in a desert to where there's some artesian wells. Amen. And then he's got special knees. That old camel's knees, they're, they're slick as glass. There's no hair on his knees, nor the back of his knees. And they're like glove leather. And when the storm gets so bad, now it's not dangerous for the camel, but it's dangerous for the right. And the host of hell assails that when the winds of Satan prevail, thou who rulest winds and waters stand by thee. Hallelujah. Yesterday, night after night, they camp out. I'd hear O.L. Leisure say, camping out time now. Whoa, camel train. Camping out time. They'd pull them camels up. And when they first started this journey, I believe Rebecca was excited. Like some of us used to be when we first started out on this journey. But the journey's been long now. There's been storms and there's been desolate times and dry times. And no doubt the devil's come along and said, Rebecca, where in the name of heaven are you going? You're following a man you don't even know. You've left your family and your friends and your acquaintances. And she'd get a little bit discouraged. Do you know what I'd see? I'd see well leisure. He, 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 he's the type of the Holy Ghost. He'd see her riding on that camel. He knew her heart was a little bit down. He'd turn around. He'd bring his camel back up there. Pull up beside Rebecca. And he'd open up one of them saddlebags. He'd say, Rebecca, I want you to look in here. Here's something I ain't showed you yet. There's more silver and there's more gold. And there's more from where this come from. Boy, she'd look in that saddlebag and she'd say, that's enough to keep me going a little further. Boy, I'm glad every now and then the Holy Ghost will open up this saddlebag and let us see something that'll help us to go a little further. I can see now, after several weeks, maybe a couple of months even, it's night after night, camping out, riding during the day. Journey's been long. Journey's been tiresome. I see them pull up at nighttime. They get to cooking utensils out the damsels. They begin to fix the afternoon meal. And I see Rebecca. She kind of, toward nightfall, she slips over and she scrooches up beside Elijah. And she said, Elijah, you've told me many, many times. But you don't mind telling me again tonight, do you, Elijah? Would you tell me the color of his eyes? Would you tell me the color of his hair? Would you tell me the size of his hands? Would you tell me that description of him one more time? And Elijah said, I love to talk about Isaac. Well, I'm glad the Holy Ghost loves to brag on the Lord Jesus Christ, friend. Now they've rode for miles and miles and miles. 500 miles. And we're coming now to the presentation. I mean, it's been a long, hot, dusty journey. A lot of miles. The Bible said in Genesis 24, 63, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at evening tide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there's that word that means looky, looky. Behold, the camels were coming. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she said unto her servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. Now here's what I see. I see it's toward evening tide, the afternoon. And Rebecca might have been riding on that camel and she's about half asleep daydreaming and thinking, Are we ever going to get there? Are we ever going to get there? And about that time, Elijah said, Camel train, whoa! She thinks, well, it's another camping out night. But this wasn't camping out night. This was a camp meeting night. Amen. And buddy, she looked off that camel she was sitting on and she said, Elisha, who is that? And he said, that's him. That's my master. And boy, she lit off that camel and she took a She didn't have time to wash. She didn't have time to bathe. She didn't have time to clean up. But she took that veil and she covered herself. 
And I see her put her hand in Eliezer's hand. And Eliezer begins to escort her down through there. And I see old Isaac come running up that way. He said, who is the head of this camel train? He said, Eliezer of Damascus. I've got your bride, Isaac. Well, I see Isaac come a-running. And said, you got the right one. You got the right one. Amen. And I believe Rebecca turned around and nudged Eliezer and said, you did a good job in trying to describe him. But the half hasn't there yet been told. I'm telling you when, listen, it ain't going to be long now, friend. So the camel train's going to go in and the rapture's going to take place and we're going to meet our heavenly Isaac out in the field at evening tide and I tell you the right bride's going in. You hear me? There won't be one missing. The bride of Christ is going to come marching in. Hallelujah. Glory. I believe Jesus We'll say to the Holy Ghost, you got the right one. You got the right one. You got the right one. Those that are blood bought, those that have been washed in the blood, those that repented and called upon my name, you brought me the right one. The pearl of great price. The bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what happens here? The Bible said that, uh, Isaac took Rebekah and he took her into his mother Sarah's tent. They had the wedding that night and he knew her. You know where he took her? He took her into Sarah's tent where Israel had once stood, if you will. That's where we're standing tonight. Gentiles grafted in contrary to nature. That old wild olive vine's been grafted in. Natural branches broken off. But you know what? When old Isaac Got his bride, chapter number, where am I? Chapter number 25. Abraham gets romance in his mind. He did. Abraham saw this festivity, saw his son with a bride. And he said, you know what? I think I'm going to get me one. I'm going to get me another bride. The Bible said in Genesis 25, one then again, Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah. The Bible said she bore Abraham six children. He had two by Sarah, if you'll count Ishmael. He had two by Sarah and six by Keturah. And six and two is eight. And eight's the number of a new beginning. While we're slammed plumb over in the millennial age now. You know what this is a picture of when Abraham married Keturah? It's a picture of the final restoration of the nation of Israel. Uh, this is a fulfillment that in Abraham all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Uh, and oh, Abraham now comes down to die. And as he dies, I believe he looks back. And he said, I've had the gospel preached to me. I've seen the gospel. No wonder Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Hallelujah. I'm through with you.